Welcome, everybody. It is Friday, so you know it's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. Always a pleasure to speak to this man. You read his stuff at yahoosports.com. Does a brilliant job of covering MMA and boxing. I'm talking about the one, the only, Kevin Ioli with us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Kevin, how are you, man? I am doing awesome. I could do for a Zeke's Pizza right about now. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm, I'm just whetting the appetite for you there. And then, uh, and by the way, congratulations on your new phone. I, I saw you tweeting about you waiting at the door every time a truck drives by. You're like a like a dog waiting for their owner. You're very excited. Exactly. You're... <laughs> Got the iPhone 11 Pro Max, so I can't wait. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Hey, before we get into some of the things happening in the world of MMA, I, I do want to get your thoughts because, as I said, you, you obviously cover boxing as well as MMA. What is, what is your take on Tyson Fury? I think you and I have had a debate about him in the past, and he just came off a tough fight against a guy that, unless you are the hardest of hardcore boxing fans, you have no idea who Otto Wallen is. And you could say that for his last two opponents. These are not name-brand fighters. These are not fighters that anybody is looking at going, okay, here's a real challenge. What, what, do, you, what do you think in terms of, I understand he's got a contract to fulfill, he's got fights, but his, his selection of opponents, what, what's your take on that? Well, I think, you know, I, you know me, and I've been critical of most every fighter that doesn't fight elite guys. And, um, and so, but I give Fury a break because of his personal history. I mean, he tried to commit suicide a couple of years ago. He ballooned up to over 400 pounds. So I think, you know, in his case, he, he's still working his way back. I think he's now back. He doesn't have... Um, he does not have the uh, excuse anymore that, oh, I'm coming back from that. But I think, you know, even going into this fight, they did try to get him. Uh, they offered Alexander Povetkin $5 million to take the fight. He turned it down. Uh, they had offered um, some other guys. Uh, Kubrat Pulev uh, was offered the fight. He was the number one contender. He turned it down. Uh, so they did try to get a better opponent than Wallen, but I also know that they were looking at it saying they want to build Fury, and they, they wanted to give him time to get back to what he really is best at and then you know that meant him getting in peak shape and him uh having time to to build his body back to where he wanted it to be from from the dark days of a couple of years ago i think he's there now so you know going forward if he's not fighting the big fights but he's already signed to fight wilder back to back he's got two fights signed with wilder in the can uh assuming wilder wins in november so i think you know he's ready to roll at this point what, what do you think, and I saw you put a poll question up there on, on your Twitter page, and people can follow you at, at Kevin, Kevin I, capital I, at Kevin I on Twitter, and asking, you know, which heavyweight boxer is your favorite, and you list Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz Jr., Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. With, just looking at that group, I'm looking at them going, man, you talk about guys that are incredibly flawed, incredible, a lot of talent, a lot of natural power in some cases, but... I'm thinking even as recently as is Holyfield, Lewis, Riddick, Bow, you know that that crop of heavyweights. It just feels like the skill level that exists amongst these fighters is it pales in comparison, in my opinion. I know each has a thing that they do well, but ultimately, when you look at the complete package of each fighter, I, I just see just I don't know. I don't know how any of these guys would stack up against those guys. I just feel like they're incredibly flawed fighters, and that the heavyweight ranks as they sit right now aren't spectacular, in my opinion. See, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the heavyweight division is actually really good now. I think they've made a lot of progress in the boxing heavyweight division. You know, the champions have, I, I, I would agree with your phrase, you know, they're flawed. I mean, I think Fury potentially is the best of them. Fury, um, 
you know, Fury is a good boxer and he can punch a little bit. You know, not a huge puncher, and he's got surprising agility for a guy six foot nine. But when he's at his peak and he's boxing like he is, he's going to be a handful. Imagine Lennox Lewis trying to box that. I mean, Lennox was a great boxer, and you got a guy with an eighty-five inch reach and a hard jab. Um, it, you know, I, I think Fury has is, is got a lot of talent. But I think when you look up and down the line, there's a lot of really good uh, young heavyweights coming up. A guy named Daniel Dubois in England uh, is is really impressive. Tony Yoka, who was a gold medalist in uh, in the uh, Rio Olympics, uh, he, he's had a um, drug test issue. He didn't fail a drug test. He missed the drug test. And he got suspended. Uh, he is tremendous. I think there's a lot of really good young heavyweights, and I think the guys at the top, like Wilder, is an all-time puncher, and I, I think they're interesting. I think the heavyweight division is at a really good place. But in terms of ability, just how, how do you think they stack up? When you when you watched, I, I guess I'm looking at aesthetics maybe too much, Kevin. When I watched somebody like Evander Holyfield, who was one of the best counter punchers I've ever seen, and it, you just looked at him and he looked natural, and there was a flow to the way he fought. And the same was true of Lennox. And you got a little bit more more mechanical, the European style, obviously with the Klitschko's. But just in terms of a just a natural look to the way they fight, they just look different to me. I mean, he's. You know, in in Fury, you, you're right. He's six nine. He's he's really herky jerky. He's really awkward. And he's he's been a part of some of the most dreadful fights I've ever seen. And you needn't look any further than his fight against Klitschko. It was a, in my opinion, just a disaster. I, I guess that's yeah. what I'm stuck on. Is is just yeah, he's effective. He knows how to use his reach and his height. But just aesthetically and looking at somebody that looks like a natural in the way they move and a flow, it's not him and it's not Deontay. I can tell you that. Well, you know, I mean, I'll argue on Deontay's behalf. Let's let's talk about him. I mean, I think Deontay is one of the hardest punchers in heavyweight history, without question. Um, so when when you bring that power, so you're in every fight you're in. So I mean, I think it, it's kind of like Tyson, right? You know, Tyson's power is what made him special. You know, Tyson was not a great boxer. And hey, look, if you look at Tyson's career, he's in the Hall of Fame not because he has this big long list of incredible wins. He's in the Hall of Fame because you know he was such a celebrity. Celebrity and he, uh, he he transcended boxing, you know. But when, he lost most of his big fights, right? Yep. I mean, you look, you know, he lost twice, to, you know, Holyfield, and he lost to Lennox Lewis, and you know, anybody that was really a serious threat to him, he lost to. Um, you know, I, I think there's no doubt he would have lost to Riddick Bowe had they fought each other. Um, you know, Riddick Bowe to me was one of the all-time greats, but kind of you know messed his career up. You know, it was a, and, and the '90s were a great era for heavyweight. Because not only did you have those guys, you know, you had the, you know, the older version of George Foreman out there. You had Ray Mercer. You, you know, you there was Tommy Morris, and there was a lot of really good heavyweights. But I, I think now, you know, I'm going to make an you know, argument for these guys. You know, even when Fury fought Klitschko, he was having issues. You know, and I think uh, I, I don't disagree with your characterization of their fight, but I think you know you see Fury fight fought Wilder. Uh, pretty compelling fight, I thought, in 2018. He got up off the deck in incredible fashion. And I think he's going to be better the next time they fight. So, I, I you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think Anthony Joshua is the flawed guy that really, um, you know, you, you would put your 
finger on, you know, a guy that you look and he looks like Adonis and he has all these uh, muscles and, and you think that, he, you know, he's going to be something else. And, and he's not a smooth, polished boxer. He's still inexperienced. You know, he didn't have a huge amateur background when he won the gold medal in the Olympics and he's only 25 into his pro career. I think it would, would have helped Anthony to have been more active early before he fought for a title. Yeah, you know, and it's good to hear you and I are on the exact same page with Tyson and I have this debate with hardcore Tyson devotees and I'm saying, all right, well, give me the biggest win of his career. Tell me the most quality. Is it Razor Ruddick? Is it, is it Trevor Burbick? Tell me, tell me his most quality win. Anytime he fought somebody that wasn't frightened of him, he lost. And we saw Buster Douglas tear him apart. And Buster, by the way, another guy, you watch him in that fight, incredibly natural, incredibly smooth. His footwork, his jab, his combinations, that was a very natural-looking fighter. Now, obviously, discipline was a problem for him. But, yeah, anytime Tyson fought the big fight, as you point out, and guys that weren't afraid of him, more importantly, he lost. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame because, you know, hey, look, he set records. He became the youngest ever heavyweight champion. You can't take that away from him. But, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame not because of this long series of wins, but he's in because, you know, what he meant to the sport, and he's one of the hardest punchers that, you know, was out there. But, he, you know, he, he wasn't the most dominant or successful boxer ever by far, by far, by far. Hey, let's uh, let's talk some MMA here. Uh, what, what is your take on Justin Gagey? I mean, he's a, he is must watch in my opinion. I mean, he is uh, he's he's going to take a million shots to give a give two or three shots. I mean, he's just one of those guys. But when he went in there against Cowboy Cerrone, he didn't he didn't take much damage, and he delivered a lot of damage. And did that, in your opinion, did that fight speak more to where he is now, or where Cerrone perhaps has fallen to? Because it feels like he doesn't take the shots quite as well as he used to and then cowboy's a guy who's who's you know he's taken a lot of damage throughout his career where where do you think each are at in their career well, I think Gaethje is going to probably uh, get a really big fight coming up. I mean, I think the fight to make is Conor McGregor and Gaethje. Uh, if McGregor comes back, I think that's the fight that makes a lot of sense. There's a little bit of animosity there, but it's also a great striking battle. I mean, forget the animosity, even if they were best friends. When you look at their styles and the way they fight and the action that they bring, I think that's a, that's a, a terrific fight. And given you know what we're going to have at the top of the division with Habib fighting uh, Tony Ferguson – I think, I think Gaethje against Connor makes a uh, heck of a lot of sense. So that's a fight that I, I would love to see happen. I, I think Gaethje is a guy that's not going to have a long career at the top because of the punishment he takes. And, you know, he's a smart guy, and I think, you know, he'll be one that recognizes when he can't do it anymore. And I think, you know, we're starting to get to that point with, uh, with Cowboy. I mean, I think Cowboy um, – you know, his style was predicated on taking punches. And, you know, when you take the kind of punches from the elite fighters that he has, and you know, there's nobody that's fought uh, the kind of competition that Donald Cerrone has fought over the years, I think that takes its toll on you. Um, you know, he was knocked out uh, with a thumb in the eye by, you know, uh, by um Tony Ferguson in June comes back knocked out in this fight. Um, I, I think you know the beginning of the end is uh, here for Cowboy, which would, if it's true and that does play out that way, it's really uh, really sad. It, it, as far as Gagey goes in in him matching up with Connor, I mean it's I, I haven't looked at their side by side stats in terms of their their physical. Make. He just looks bigger. He looks like a guy who who potentially could be too big and i know dana's come out and talked about jorge masvidal saying yeah he's too big and you know i, I who knows what connor wants in terms of an opponent but do, do you look at gagey as, as a guy that's got that size advantage that maybe that wouldn't be a great matchup for connor 
I think Connor would take that fight 100%. Um, you know, I do think you're right, Gaethje is bigger. I mean, Connor is a guy that was a featherweight, and he was a legit featherweight for a long time. So his, you know, body, you know, He's probably one division up. He's probably at the right division for himself now. I think Gaethje at some point in the future could move up to go to 170 if he wanted to do that. Um, so, you know, he, I think he is the naturally bigger guy. Um, you know, it's just funny. While we were talking, uh, while I was on hold uh, to come on with you guys, Dana White was texting me uh, <clears throat> messages about you. Know, we were, he was talking about how Nate and uh, Jorge Masvidal was, and he was thought Nate was the bigger guy. You know, and he had said famously a couple weeks ago that, uh, you know, you know, Masvidal was too big for Connor, and now he's saying that Nate is bigger than Masvidal. So that you know, Connor is not a huge uh, lightweight, and he's going to be on the on the wrong end of the stick with a lot of those guys when when he's fighting lightweight. Who does he end up fighting? I know you get this question all the time. I get it all the time. I'm, I throw out all the possibilities, but to narrow it down to one, I know he wants another a rematch with Khabib. It doesn't sound like Khabib's very interested in that. So ultimately, who do you think his next opponent would be if you were betting? I think it's going. I think it's going to be one or two guys, either uh, Dustin Poirier uh, or or Justin Gaethje. And to me, the fight to make would be uh, would be Gaethje. I, I think that's the fight. There's a little bit of animosity there. Um, you know, Gaethje is a guy that's. Uh, you know, how can the UFC deny this guy? I mean, he's fight of the night every single time he fought in the UFC. I mean, it gives him. You know, he puts his heart and soul out there. How can they not give him that big fight? And I think it would be a huge event uh, for the fans. And just the fact that there's a little bad blood going on between them. Connor creates bad blood with everybody, right. um, so he would do it. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, with uh, Poirier if he fought Poirier again. But I think you know when you have and he already having the animosity that they have for each other. I think that's the fight to make. I mean, of all the fights that you could potentially make, that to me is the one. Hey, uh, before I ask you about Nate and Jorge, obviously Jorge and Colby Covington have a history. They were once buddies and training partners. He was in his corner, and now obviously that has taken a turn, and I don't know if that's part of Colby's shtick or what's going on, but uh, I'm more interested in your take on on the the debate between him and Dana White. Dana's saying, listen, I've offered this guy a title fight against Tyron Woodley. He said no. I offered him a title fight against uh, Usman. He said no. I want more money. Do you want to fight for the title or do you not? And Colby's saying, hey, you know, this is business and you're not giving me a fair offer. What It's it's hard to tell. There are some that look at that and say, well, listen, man, if, if the title's what matters to you, then shouldn't you accept that fight? And then there's the other side saying, well, listen, you got to get paid what you're worth. You're risking your life in there. So I understand it. Where, where do you fall on this thing with Colby in the UFC? Well, there, there's no question. I mean, the fighter has to be happy with the purse he's making. Now, you know, um, is he reasonable on what he's asking? You no, know, he has not come out and said what he's asking for. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to know uh, if he's unreasonable or not. He's just, you know, we're hearing one side of the story from Dana, you know, Colby's just saying they're not paying me what I want. He's not saying how much he wants and, and how far apart they were. Um, but I, I think this, you know, that uh, Colby is overestimating himself in terms of how big he is among the public, you know, with his antics, you know, the pro wrestling stuff and everything that he does. And so I think he's probably, you know, he's using the Donald Trump phone call and the Donald Trump tweet uh, also to up his price. And I don't know that that sells any tickets or pay-per-views. And that's basically 
what they're going to pay him for. So, um, you know, having said that, you know, I think, you know, he would be wise to get make a deal because they're going to go. I think he still has time to say, hey, I'll fight Usman. And, you know, they could potentially put him in Usman in Las Vegas. Uh, that would work out. Dana said there's going to be three title fights on that card uh, on December 14th in Las Vegas. So that certainly would uh, would work there if they if they wanted to put that uh, fight on on the card. But I think you know Covington uh, you know should start looking to try to you know negotiate instead of going to the media and and have his management team talk to the UFC and work on seeing if he can get it done. Hey, before I let you go, let me ask you about the uh, the BMF title that's on the line, and we we can't say what that stands for on the air. But uh, uh, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal are going to be fighting each other UFC two forty four. It's interesting, Kevin, to look at both of these guys because they've both done their fair share of losing in their career. And, and you know, Jorge, as recently as, you know, before the Askren fight, you're looking at a guy who'd been 500 through a bunch of his, his last fights. I mean, he's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an amazing ascension that he's had and, and pretty rapid from where he was to where he's how he's viewed now. And Nate's a guy that, you know, to me has, has, has garnered a fan base based more almost on his personality than his ability to go in there and win. Very skilled, but he and his brother both have lost a lot of fights, <laughs> even though they never claimed to have lost. But uh, it, it, where, where do you see these guys just in terms of their potential moving forward, considering who they've been in their career, just talking about the wins and losses and where they're at right now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love the fight to begin with. I mean, I just love the matchup. I think it's a, it's the perfect matchup for the you know right time, the right event, everything. You know, it's the UFC's 500th event that they're putting on. So to have this fight, I think you know has the fan base all riled up. I think it's terrific. Um, and I think the fact that you know, as you alluded to, you know, the fact that they've lost fights and you know they they've not been dominant you know they've been uh been beatable in their careers i think that shows the power of the ufc and how how big this sport has grown and i think it's a lesson to boxing promoters hey you know what make good fights have the guys then come to fight, encourage them to come to fight, and reward them if they do, and just promote, promote, promote. And so in all three cases, they've done that here. The, you know, UFC has put these guys in good fights. Um, the guys, when they've gotten those good fights, they perform. You know, they've, even if they lose, the fights are exciting. And then they, as well as the UFC, promote, promote themselves. And I think when you look at that, you take that combination, people want to see those kind of guys. People, you know, usually it's rare that people want to watch a fight between guys they don't know who it is. They want to they need to know something about the fighters and have a stake in the fight before they want to watch it. And and you you know something about these two guys and you have a feeling one way or the other whether you dislike Nate Diaz or you like him and you want to see him lose and maybe you're going to buy that pay-per-view because you hope Miles Vidal's the guy to shut him up or or you're you're a, a big CBD guy and you want to see Nate win and you're, you're rooting for him. I mean, you have a reason to want to see him fight. And I think that that um, is why they're popular and I think that's why this fight is going to be so big. He is Kevin Ioli. Read him at yahoosports.com. Does a great job covering MMA and boxing. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin I. At Kevin I on Twitter. Kevin, we always appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks so much for taking time as always. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Anytime, Bob. Thanks for having me.